Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. good to be in God's house. Amen. You know, uh, over the years, I've been able to uh, preach at a lot of churches. And one thing I just, there's so many teams and so many people here that allow this service to go on from kids ministry to greeters to everybody. But if, if I can, I'd like to highlight one today. Going to preach at a lot of churches, when you get up as a speaker in a, in a church, there's only one or two ways that things are going to go. Either, either I've got to raise the dead, or I can come up and the glory's there, and I can say Mary had a little lamb and lives are going to be changed. I don't want you to take for granted our worship team and tech team, they do a phenomenal job at what they're doing. And and what an honor it is uh, to be a part of that and, and, and how God is using them is such a, such a blessing. Okay, today we're going to go on a journey. It's a journey that some of you maybe have never even been on. Have you ever thought about just sitting around and thinking about how cool it's going to be when we get to heaven? Have you ever thought like, man, it's going to be incredible to be in the presence of God? And how peaceful it's going to be. No sickness, no death. Be able to worship God 24 hours a day. To be in his presence. It's going to be incredible. And I know, if I can just stop here, I know many are gone on fall break. I was telling the dream team this morning, I don't remember getting no small fall break. When I was in school, like, where'd this thing come from? I was excited to get a half a day off on Friday when teachers had something. Come on now. I know I'm old. But I know many of you are on fall break, and I pray that you have an incredible time as you're away. And one other thing, uh, as you can see, uh, Pastor John and Sarah are not here today. They are celebrating 10 years of marriage. And so... So we're really, I'm really excited. It feels like, it feels like just yesterday that, uh, that I had the privilege to marry them. And I, I'll never forget it. Like it was just, I cannot believe it's been 10 years, but it has been. Well, in church, we talk a lot about heaven. And we should. But you know something ironic is? Jesus talked as much on hell as he did heaven. 
And today, this message is not what the old timers would say, hellfire and brimstone. But it is a message to get us to think and to address a subject that most churches will never preach this entire year. You know, hey, I love to preach on love, and I love to preach on, on joy and, and peace and, and all that, and we should. But we cannot pick and choose some scriptures that feel good and not address some issues that we need to take a look at, because if it was important for Jesus, it's got to be important for us. So, as we dive into this topic today, I hope it's something that we all can learn. I know as I prepared, it really stirred me up. Now, let me debunk one bad theology. One bad theology says people that are struggling with this Jesus who everybody's talking about. And, it, and they say, how can a loving Jesus send anyone to hell? You ever heard that? How can a lovely, loving Jesus send anybody to hell? And the answer is, he doesn't. A loving Jesus does not send anybody to hell. In fact, he didn't even create hell for you and I. Isn't that awesome? But also, a loving Jesus gives us free will. See, unconditional love, you know, Jesus, his love, this unconditional, this agape love, doesn't make us do anything. That's dictatorship. It's not love. And he gives us the right to choose who we're going to serve. We're going to serve self or we're going to serve him. And serving him and giving our life to him has incredible benefits. The Bible is not a book about what we cannot do. It's a book about what we can do. And the things he tells us not to do are not good for us anyway. And by the way, the Bible has no gray areas. He knows what's good for us. Why? He created everything. He knows the plans he has for us. And they are good. But he does give us a choice. And the choice is when this life is over, where are we going to spend eternity? And another theological debunk I would like to do today is there's heaven to gain and hell to lose. There is no purgatory. No purgatory in Scripture. So there's no place that you can just hide out and hope somebody prays you into heaven. 
There's 66 books, and it says don't add to or take away. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. So let's go on this journey. And I entitled the message, Why Christians Should Spend Five Minutes in Hell. Everybody okay? Okay, I'm going to go through Scripture quickly. So you may have to look on the screen and just write in your notes if you would like because I want to get through this Scripture because it's important to get this bedrock text down in what I'm talking about. So let's first go to Mark chapter 9, verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life main rather than having two hands to go to hell and to the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter, enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell and to that fire shall never be quenched. And where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, and your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than have two eyes to cast into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. If we spent five minutes in hell, then we would truly understand the reality of this place called hell. Everyone sitting in this room and watching online, I believe every single one of us would live our life differently if we become into that reality, into that place that Jesus called hell. Matthew 13, 41 and 42 says, The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all the things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So we see here, hell is called a furnace of fire. This means where there is extreme punishment of what? Of sin of a choice that we make, that we denied Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. He came to this earth. He died. He took upon our sins on the cross. He, he came up out of the grave on the third day. He was resurrected. And we, he, has, he has given us power, power over sin, death, and hell in the grave. Absent from the bodies to be present with God. When we take our last breath here on this earth, we're going to go somewhere. The soul leaves. The body goes back to dust, but the soul lives on. If Jesus described this place called hell, then we must understand today that we cannot excuse it away. We can act like it's not there. Especially us in the church today. Weeping. What is this like? Can you imagine? It means that it's extreme remorse and sorrow that there is 
a day that grace and mercy dies. Today, thank the Lord, we still have grace and mercy. Amen? Thank the Lord for that. But there's a day when Jesus comes back or we take our last breath on this earth that mercy and death stop. Mercy and grace stop. Because we have been given the most important decision you ever make in your life is not who you marry. It's not your education. It's not your job. It's what, who am I going to choose? Who am I going to give my life to? Because we were created to worship. So that means that we're going to worship something. We could worship money. We could worship our career. Whatever that may be. Every single person worships something. The question is, who are we going to worship? Since there's going to be gnashing of teeth, which shows extreme anxiety and pain that is humanly incomprehensible. You can't even imagine it. And then we see, and this is setting up my text, so just stay with me. Then we see in Revelations, there there are two hells mentioned. Revelations 20, verse 13 says, The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Okay, so first of all, it says, Hades is the hell today. This is the holding place until the final judgment. So when, when, when you die today, then, then that soul, if you have not accepted Jesus, goes into a place called Hades. Hades is the holding place until everything else is taken care of. Until the final judgment, there's a new heaven and new earth. Jesus uh, defeats Satan and his angels, and they are cast into the, what was described the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the final judgment where everybody will be who denied Christ forever and ever for eternity. And the lake of fire is worse than Hades. This, what, why this message, I want it to give us an urgency of really what our priorities are in life. Sometimes we just need that wake-up call. Sometimes we have to understand in life, ready, that not everything in life is a battle. Pick your battles. Like, we pick our battles on stuff that we don't need to be fighting about in the first place. Pick your battles, man. Like, there are some things as Christians that God has called us to do. The Great Commission is not the great option to go and tell people that there really is another place. We need to have an urgency of life that we believe there is a heaven and there is a hell. And we wouldn't want our worst enemy to go there. This is what really captured me, is that in this lake of fire, it'll be burning like sulfur. And sulfur 
First of all, if you know, sulfur stinks. So sulfur is a very cohesive chemical that will even burn through a solid rock. What would happen if Christians would spend five minutes in hell? Number one, if Christians would spend five minutes in hell, we would know it's real. We would know it's real. In Matthew 16, uh, verse 19 through 31, it talks about the rich man in Lazarus. I'm not going to read that. If you want to read that, I, uh, I would invite you to do that this week. But the, but the rich man who denied Christ and worshipped his riches instead of Jesus was in hell. And he looked up to Lazarus. They said there was a great gulf, so it could not, they could not come down. Lazarus couldn't come down or he couldn't go up. But he looked up to Lazarus and he begged him to go tell his family that hell was real. Begged him. If this place was not real and it wasn't a big deal, you, there, I mean, there is some people that have lost their mind. When you start making fun of hell, hey, we're going to go to hell and have a party. No, it's not going to be a party. But here's the thing. When is the church of Jesus Christ going to speak? When will we say lovingly, you have no idea what you're talking about, man. And, how about this one? If hell is not real, then why are people who are denying Christ even say there's a hell? Amen. Well, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm an atheist. Well, how can you have a name called atheist if, you, if there's no God? See, they, it, they even, they don't understand. Okay, how about this one? This is universal across the world. Why is there a B.C. and A.D.? Somebody's light bulb just went on. <laughs> if there's no Christ, not, no creation of him, then why in the world do we have a before Christ and after? And all the world goes by that date line. Explain that way. Can you comprehend the intensity that this rich man had in this place called hell where the days never end, the agony never stops, 
It's beyond describable. How about this one? There is no love and there is no hope there. Just the fact that Jesus is not there who is love, just that fact. There is no hope. This is it. This is the end place. You're hearing yelling and screaming. It never ends. The rich man realized the decision he made on earth. And he did not want anyone to go there. What if Christians would spend five minutes in hell? Number two. Christians would spend five minutes in hell, we would see the value of a soul. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So this scripture right here tells us, John is telling us that if you love the world more than you do Jesus, there's a problem. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God will abide forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. Not he that sometimes wants to love Jesus on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, live like Satan himself. Sometimes we need to understand that when we accept Christ and we die to self, that our vocabulary changes. We don't say what we used to. We don't go the places that we used to. But the good thing, hey, we don't hang out with the same friends we used to. We got to love them from a distance. Pray for them. But things in our life, we have a different want than we used to have. And then when we do the wrong thing, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, does what? Convicts us. How many know when you do something wrong, it's immediate? It's immediate, isn't it? Like, so when Satan tries to tell you, well, I know that you think you got saved and you know Jesus, but you're really not saved. Tell the devil. Every time I do wrong, I'm convicted now where it used to, it didn't even bother me. So that tells me Jesus is living inside of me. And I want to do what's right. We have Nike. Just do it. The problem is, when you just do it, somebody has to pick up the pieces when it's over. Just do it lasts for a season. It's a short time. Well, I don't want any Jesus. Okay, then you better live it up right now. Because after you're done... It does not end well. I just want to do what I want to. 
okay. I'm going to love you. But I want you to know that there is a consequence to your sin. And it's not the consequence that Jesus wants for you. We need to understand that today. If there's one point I want to get across is that this hell that I'm talking about, that Jesus talked about all through the New Testament, is not for us. Number three. If Christians would spend five minutes in hell, we would see the tragedy of complacency. Revelations 3, 15, 16. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. We understand that lukewarm water doesn't taste real good. Y'all with me? In fact, you leave it in long enough, it stinks. Jesus is saying, listen, there is no lukewarmness. Either you're for me or against me. And by the way, this verse, some preachers preach it the wrong way. It's not for the lost, it's for the church. He's talking to the church in Revelation chapter 3. He said, just be one way or the other. I don't know about you. But there, if there's one thing that gets under my skin, it's fake. Just be who you are. If, if you're not for God, then not be for him. But don't fake it around me. Oh, I didn't know you as a pastor. Just be you. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't know you. Listen, if you're going to say it, say it. But I'll tell you. I'm not your judge. I didn't die for you to be your judge. Jesus died where we would not have to go to a place called hell. And he paid that penalty for us of sin. But Listen, but this, he loves you so much. He's going to love you from the foundation of the earth. He creates all he loves and has a purpose for you. But if you reject him, he'll love you anyway but he will not override your free will of choice. You ever love someone that rejected you? That's tough love, isn't it? He died for every person on that cross where every person has a chance to spend eternity with him. But can you imagine the excessive death that he went on that cross? And then millions, billions upon people will say no to him. That's love. I was thinking about, as I was preparing this, there was an old song that Billy Graham always played at his altar, most of the time at his altar call, I Surrender All. And you know what popped in my mind? It never has before. 
But when I, when I wrote that, I heard the Lord say, yeah, but when most people in church are singing it, they're lying. They're lying singing the song. That was pretty convicting right there. I had to. Years ago, um, a long, long time ago, I surrendered to ministry under a denomination and they kicked me out. First of all, I'm not going to back up for nobody. I'm going to preach whatever God puts on my heart. Take it up with him. And they said, you know, Jeff, you just need to calm it down. Now, keep in mind, there's a lot of people getting saved. The church had more than doubled. And people are getting saved, not just, okay, transferring to another church. You need to calm it down. I looked at them, and I was young and stupid at the time, but I looked at them and I said, Guys, I haven't even revved it up yet. <laughs> that did not go over well. But the question for the churches today is Peter learned this. Three times he denied Jesus. And he walked with Jesus, preached, did miracles, all of it. And then when he come down to it, he denied Jesus. So what are we going to do in a culture that is everything against Jesus? Are we going to take a stand? Are we going to not say anything and just let it be? Now, I'm not talking about getting a bullhorn. And go out and turn people off. But I'm talking about in conversations, are we going to allow things and not say anything? Because the world's pretty loud. Are we as the church and as people of God, are we going to say something that needs to be said in the right environment that God has placed us in? Because here's the thing, it's not just the preacher's job. In fact, in the New Testament church, they equipped the people and the church went out. We kind of got it backwards today, but it's all of our jobs. You can reach people that I cannot reach. You're around people. You have connections with people that I don't have. So the question is, if you were in a court of law and that you were put up on the witness stand because you are convicted of being a Christian, And after the trial is over, the jury brings back a verdict. The verdict 
is he is a Christian or he's not, would they convict you? Would they convict me? Number four. Y'all still with me? Y'all getting quiet. If Christians spend five minutes in hell, we would see the value of sharing our faith. The value of sharing our faith. John 20, 21 says, as the Father has sent me, I've sent you. We would pray like happened in the upper room, that Holy Ghost boldness would come upon us. That we would have a passion every morning when we get up, that today, Lord... Our prayer, seek first the kingdom of God. Our prayer would be, God, every person I come in contact with today, may they see you in me. May you give me boldness to talk when I need to talk. May you give me boldness to share Jesus with them. Love them what where they're at, but also tell them about the good news of Jesus. That he has a plan for their life. He has built eternity for them because he loves them so much. Our friends would know who we are. We have a new identity. It's in the family of God. We have a our friends need to know who our identity is with. Our identity is not in the world. No one in this world can define who you are. Only Jesus. And when you try to, it gets crazy. God defines who we are because he created us. Our family would know. Our neighbors would know. How about this? Waitresses and waiters at a restaurant will know. This week, we're in the process of moving, and we were up in uh, Fort Wayne getting ready to move and boxing up, and Lord, it about killed me. <laughs> Lori, and I, like, oh, Lord. Let's don't do this too often. <laughs> but I was up there, and I was having a conversation with this lady that works at a coffee shop. And she said, this. she said, there was a big group of women came in, coming from church from a Bible study. And she said, they come in, and she said, you know, we were just slammed. and and uh, But she said, they was very gracious, and and uh, worked through it with me. And, but she said this. She said, but Jeff, you know the ironic thing is? Not one of them left a tip. May I say to us that we're called to bless people. You know what will blow their mind? Bless them when they don't deserve it. <laughs> I'm telling you, that'll just mess them up, boy. 
You know, when you got terrible service and they have a terrible attitude, you have no idea why they have a terrible attitude. And before you bless your, your meal, you might ask him what you can pray for them about. You won't have them turn you down. I mean, literally, we've had people, we had a, we've had ladies sit down and start crying. That somebody really cared. We should be the... We should be the greatest blessers there is. If you can't, stay home. It is estimated today that there are still 3.6 billion people who have not heard about Jesus. It is estimated that 154,937 people die each day without Christ. It is estimated that 107 people die every minute and 68 of them are dying and going to hell. Narrow is the gate that leads in to heaven. So the church today has a huge responsibility to go tell people what we've received. It's not just an experience. It's a It's a lifestyle. It is my identity. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ. An ambassador does what the master tells him to do. He is not his own anymore. He's been bought with a price. I am now an ambassador to Jesus. What he says goes. He's not asking for my opinion. He's not asking me to tell him what I want to do and for him to bless it. God, I just want you, I'm I'm going to go do this and I just want you to bless it. He may not want you to go do it. If he didn't tell you, don't do it. We've got a mission to do. And we all have a part to play in it. We all have different gifts. But we're all made out of mud. He created us, and we all have different gifts, but we all have the same mission, and every one of us is just more important, is important as anybody else. He loved Billy Graham more than you and I. I may have a gift you don't have, but to God, we're all equal. A mic doesn't make you more important to God than anybody else. We need to get rid of that celebrity thing of pastors. Can I just be real because I deal with them? They're as jacked up as you are. Hopefully that gives you hope or destroys you one or the other. I don't know. (laughs) And lastly, number five. Who needs to go to hell for five minutes and why? Why? First of all, pastors. I bet they would quit writing books trying to explain hell away. There is no hell. I bet that business would stop. I bet they would start preaching a full gospel, not a half gospel. A half gospel is no gospel at all. I don't need a motivational speaker. I need someone. 
that is called by God, that is anointed by God, who's going to preach all 66 books and tell me what God says in his word. Pastors wouldn't, wouldn't be worried about being popular. They would have an urgency of souls again. Not even giving altar calls. Because you can just make an appointment. What if that person dies before they make an appointment? If the Holy Spirit is working, we must give people an opportunity to respond to the Spirit of God. Eternity's at stake. Lord, show me Well, I was preparing. He, he gave me this. I've never said it before. And he said, man's rejection of me becomes God's promotion for me. How true is that? Listen, you will be rejected. I cannot tell you how many times I've been rejected. But you know what? Every rejection brought God's promotion. It may be hard. It may be some long nights, but I serve a God. When I think this night's not going to end, this nightmare's not going to end, this situation's not going to end, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I serve a God that says joy comes in the morning. I'm thankful that when the morning comes, that God stirs up that joy inside of me. That helps me say, I look, the, the sky is blue today, the grass is green today. It's a different day that the Lord has given me. No matter if the circumstances changed or not, joy is coming my soul. You may not be able to explain it, but I'll just tell you that God has this thing. I don't have to worry about God's got this thing. He will tell me what I need to do, when I need to do it. But right now, I'm going to put it in his hands. I'm going to quit trying to fix the situation myself because that don't work. Yeah. Church leadership would change. Our full mission. Thankfully, in my short time here, you guys have some incredible leadership people. Incredible. Totally, totally sold out to God and wants to do the will of God here. But I've been in some meetings with church leadership that has not always been that way. I've been in ones, especially ones that are man-ruled, that didn't even pray the whole meeting. You say, well, that's crazy. No, I've been there. Not one thing was about souls, discipleship, evangelism. See, the church today has more meetings than it does evangelism. Because meetings are easy. Going out and tell people about Jesus is something else. Getting dirty in the lives of people that's messed up like many of us have been messed up. That's sometimes hard. But 
argue about the carpet. What color are we going to put in? I remember old Kentucky's saying, ready? You just can't fix stupid. Like, we need, to have, we need to have a salvation message in this church leadership meeting, I'll tell you. There would be no more titles, just towels. That's another message I'll preach sometime. Moms and dads, we'll return to the biblical foundation. Hey, play something because this is, you'll go down smoother if you play something. <laughs> it gets too quiet in here. Moms and dads would say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what little Johnny says. I don't care what they want. I don't care even if I have a spouse that needs Jesus right now. As for me, some of us have been putting it off because we're blaming it on somebody in our house. Stand! The battle's not yours! As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The Lord gives parents a responsibility. And if you're blessed with children, you have a responsibility to raise them up. In the foundation of Jesus. They need to see Jesus. Not just hear about him on Sunday. Every day of the week. They need to see Jesus. And you need, we need to parent. Not be their friend. Well, Johnny just don't want to. And Sandy don't want to. And this... They want to. Everybody else doing it. I'm not their parent. I'm your parent. My daughter, who was at faith conference, who was here, uh, spoke the first night. She told me it was her senior prom, and she said, "Dad." She got a head bobbing, you know. Dad, do you realize I'm 18 years old? And I got to be home earlier than anybody else going to this prom. And the question is? question is, well, I just thought you should know. I said, I'm glad you told me. I'll see you at 1130. 
I got to move on. Last one. This is it. Put everything away. For some of you that's been around here a while, there was a a college called Mid-Continent College in Mayfield. I went there back in the early 90s. Incredible college at the time. We had a, a president. His name was Dr. Laverne Butler. He's from old school. He told the truth and shamed the devil to all the students at chapel every week. But one story I could not get past, and I must share with you as I close this short version. And the story's about three teenagers. He said they were driving and came around the curve, this curve, and didn't make the curve and rolled over and died. The coroner contacted the president of my college, Dr. Laverne Butler, so this was a student to him, of the desk and went immediately to one of the parents' houses. As he got to the home, the mother ran out of the house and grabbed him, yanking on his coat and saying, please tell me my son didn't go to hell. Please say he's not in hell. There's many funerals I do. And even the ones probably that have denied Christ all their life, I meet with them in a family area before we go out of visitation. And do you know, most of the time they ask me, where is my son? Where is my daughter? And here's something that I will never do is lie about it. I've been in a lot of funerals, heard a lot of messages. And many times given a false hope that I cannot give. She kept yelling and tore his shirt and finally the husband came out and grabbed her to try to calm her down. They finally made it back to the house after she had calmed down and calmed down somewhat and she wanted to tell Dr. Butler what her boy just said before he left the house. She said, Dr. Butler? So Dr. Butler was called to this student's house because this student was not ready to handle the situation, which is smart. There's things in our life you might need to call somebody. We all don't have the answers. She said, Dr. Butler, my son was just sitting there two hours ago telling us how we have been good parents to him. He said, we always came to his ball games and took him to the best movies Went fishing. Took family vacations. How much he appreciated all this. Then the car came to pick him up, honked, 
and he left. But on the way out of the door, he said, Mom, why didn't you ever take me to church? Mom, why? And he left. And he didn't come back. What story does that tell us? That the things of this earth, material whatever, has a start date, has an end date. Just like every tombstone does. The question is, the hyphen determines where we spend eternity. The hyphen is your legacy. The hyphen is the choices we made in this life. We're in the hyphen today. But the question is, what choice are we going to make in this life? Because one day, it all ends for all of us. Let's stand. Every head bowed, if you don't mind. No one leaving unless it's an emergency. Prayer team, you can come forward. If you're here today and you say, Jeff, I'm not as you were speaking today, the Holy Spirit was really working on me. I could just, man, my heart was racing and I just felt God today. And I know that He came to me and wants a real relationship with me and has a plan for my life. But Jeff, today, I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to go to heaven if I take my last breath right now. Maybe I've never prayed to accept Christ, or maybe I have, and I, but nothing changed in my life. But today, I know that Jesus loves me. And he has a place called heaven for me that he wants to spend all eternity with me. And Jeff, today I'd like to embrace Jesus. I'd like to give my life to him today. With every head bowed. If the Lord is speaking to you and say, Jeff, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus I want you just to look up at me right now thank you I'm scanning all over thank you man eternity's at stake I see you up in the balcony I see you eternity's at stake yes yes okay how many would say pastor I am a Christian, but there's a sense of urgency that has rose up in me. I have family, I have friends, and today my whole priorities changed in my life. I, I see today that I need to get real.
with Jesus and I need to get real with telling my loved ones about Jesus. Friends I work with, I need to be the real deal. If that's you today, in just moments, we have people that's up here to pray with you. And this can be the first day of the rest of your life. Everything can change today, not by what we pray, but by what you pray by faith today. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, you promised that your word would never return void. And I pray that I have said everything you want me to say today. And now, as the Holy Spirit is working, Lord, I just rebuke Satan from this place. He has no authority in this place. Holy Spirit reign. May your glory fill this And may people say yes. May people take the first step because you'll take over after that. May they say yes to you today. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.